0: And this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow.
1: As the Dean, it is Wednesday, May 25th. I typed that it was episode 100, but that was last week. It's episode 101. We're so excited that you are here. Um, So our normal guest uh, uh, host, Ryan Gray, is away having a little family vacation. Uh, so we'll miss him lots, but we're going to plod on without him the best I can. So no Instagram live this week. Um, so probably everybody who's watching is already watching on Facebook or map.tv. But um, the YouTube is usually the best place to comment. It mostly comes through on Facebook. So sometimes there's hiccups. So if you have a question or a comment, your best bet is to go to map.tv which is the mapped youtube channel that's the best way to ensure that we see your comment or question so you can start typing those in at any time while i introduce the gang so we have first up the one the only Vernia Granham, uh, masters in education former assistant dean of pre-health and stem advising at hofstra the Harvard yes. of Long Island. The <laughs> Harvard of the East Coast. Wait, no. <laughs>
2: Ouch. <laughs> Harvard uh, is the Harvard of the East Coast. <laughs> exactly. How Hello. are you today, Miss Maria? I'm doing good. Thank you, thank you. Um, glad that Ryan's taking some time off. Um, yeah, and we, we had so you. much fun last week with episode 100 that we just decided to keep going and make yep. this, you know, exactly. part two. <laughs> And Dr. Scott Wright,
1: former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, retired executive director at TMDSAS, and even though it doesn't fit on the banner, part of the reason this show is called Ask the Dean is that you are also a former dean of UT Dallas. Yep. How are you today sir?
3: Doing well, doing well. Just uh, anxious to uh, talk to all these students. They're all getting freaked out a little bit because May 31st is coming up and I'm sure we'll talk about that some throughout our uh, session today but uh, I'm doing really well and excited to be here. Good, good.
1: All right, and in case you don't know,
3: I'm Rachel Grubbs. I'm one of the MAP
1: co-founders along with Dr. Ryan Gray. I've got 20 years experience in MCAT and pre-med process advising, so we're all here to help. I see the first questions and comments trickling in now. Sometimes there's a little delay, so uh, keep typing in questions and comments, and we'll pick from those to answer what we can. Mm -hmm. Okay. Patrick asks, is shadowing okay for most meaningful? By definition, I would say it is for me, but I've seen hesitancy to do it because you personally don't have much impact. Dr. Wright, what do you think about this?
3: Well, this is, I I think, a reasonably good question. And and I think what I would say to this is uh, don't overthink it. Uh, I know that that's a big surprise to many of you out there, although we say that frequently, but uh, I, I think um, Patrick, I think what you have to do is you have to be you. This application is about you and is about it is about what you find to be meaningful in your life and in your experience. And if the shadowing experience f- for you, was a most meaningful experience then you've got to go there and you've got to let that be the most meaningful and 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 talk about why it was most meaningful to you uh in your experience and then don't worry about the rest you 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 do you and you say what you want to say and how you want to say it and then you let the dust settle wherever wherever it settles but if you start down this road of well, I find X to be most meaningful, but I'm going to do Y because of all these things that I think it might, you know, do or whatever, whatever. That if you start out with that, then where does that ever end? You know, you then then you're altering everything about yourself because of what you want to portray to the to the admissions committee, as opposed to telling your story in a way that it makes sense to you. Yep,
1: you all do right. you got an agreement from for Ania. Oh, look, it's me. Let me take that banner off. Uh, Yeah, I think the only caveat I might or not even caveat, like maybe asterisks I might add to Dr. Wright's comment is if one of your most meaningfuls isn't clinical, I might ask why, which doesn't mean fake it, right? Still 100% underlining everything he said about being authentic and not overthinking. But sometimes when one of the most Meaningfuls isn't clinical, it means I didn't really do any clinical.
0: Mm-hmm. And then I
1: think, well, how do you know for sure you're going to be a doctor? And then it makes me wonder about what your personal statement says about patient interaction. And, um, but again, that's not something you fix by tweaking the essay. It's something that you need to dig deeper on. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: AG. AG says, hello, I'm currently a first-year pre-med. I'm taking so many units, working two jobs, star volunteering at a hospital. Am I on the right track for med school, or what should I be doing? Vernia, you want to chime in here? Sure. Um you had a lot of experience hi. advising yeah. uh, in course <laughs>
2: selection and whatnot. Yes, 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 and um, frequently dealing with sort of the underlying uh, theme that I hear of kind of feeling like I'm doing all this stuff. Am I doing enough? Um, So AG, yes, it does sound like you are on the right track um, as far as volunteering at a hospital, um, as far as the units that you're taking and the working two jobs. That's that's a little bit more concerning just because it sounds like you're overwhelmed from this. Um, Take it one step at a time. Right. Don't forget that the whole purpose here is um, to try to do well in your courses. If you're taking a lot, if you're taking on too much, that might mean you have to. And you're working two jobs. You might have to just take a step back and figure out, okay, how am I doing this in a way that's not going to impact my grades and still be able to pay my bills, of course, um, while also continuing to do the things that I want to do to to prove to myself that this is what I want to do. I want to be a doctor and and et cetera. Um, So. Take a step back, take a deep breath. Trust that it seems like you know that this is what you need to do. I'm more concerned with just the pace of how things are going for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, and I I agree. I agree with that, Verenia. And I think that one of the things that you should really consider, uh, Ag, is when you say, "I'm taking so many units." Are you? You know, I don't know what that means. Uh, are you taking, you know, more than you, a lot? Of, are you trying to finish early? Are you trying to finish, mm-hmm. uh, you know, beyond what what the plan says? You know, you're trying to finish in three years or whatever. Uh, you know, if you've got some flexibility, it would seemingly be there uh, where you could maybe take next semester fewer units, still be full-time student, all that. But, you know, I, I see some of these students that are taking you know 19 20 21 hours of coursework and i'm thinking why are you why are you loading loading this mm-hmm. up so much and is it going to be detrimental to you uh in the long run i i agree with my with Verenia about the concern about you you know really doing a lot and so just be careful that you don't get burned out
2: yep absolutely
1: cool all right Alina Bean, Alina. I love your name. It makes me so happy. Um, hello. I've heard the term fluff. I'm doing finger quotes for the listeners <laughs> in the pre med community and was wondering if you could discuss what makes an activity fluff. Is it the number of hours, the time frame, both? Maybe something else? Uh, what do you guys Good think? Question.
2: It's a it's a good question. Um, m- most students don't take the time to kind of figure out what that means, um, yep. right? And so fluff, Aline, is this idea that you have to fill in these 15 activity slots for AMCAS, right? And so if perhaps you haven't done as many things, you kind of try to stretch out what you've done just to kind of like stuff your application and fluff it up. Um, that's one way of looking at it. Um, so you'll take shadowing experiences for instance and and list them in three or four different slots when really they really can all be in one um, activity slot it's also the type of activity um, right there's no rules around this but you do want to show that you have engaged in activities that um, developed your you know leadership skills developed your um, patient interaction skills uh, your hobbies things that were fun for you that um, you're at you know things that you did to develop you know, communication skills, those are um, valuable things like I volunteered for an hour at, you know, cleaning up a beach or something like that. That's a little less. um, I don't want to say impactful because it is helpful, but it's not really showing what you gained out of that experience. Right. So you have less to kind of share about what you gained out of that experience. So that so it's a combination of things. It's the type of activities, the amount of time spent and your purpose for sharing that. When you're yeah. writing your activities, when you're writing about your activities, thinking about your activities, think about how is this going to develop me as a future candidate?
3: Yeah. And, and I, I would add to that that um, I think that in my experience, um, I don't see a whole lot of fluff. I, I, I don't recall over the years in seeing applications a lot of a lot of what I would consider fluff stuff, and I would also say Al- Aileen, or uh, how do you pronounce your name, Aileen? What do you think? Aileen,
1: we were saying Aileen, and I guess we don't Aileen. know for sure. Yeah, but whatever. Because of the meaning, I assumed it reminded me Yeah,
3: Aileen. What what? What I would say is the fact that you asked that question leads me to believe that you're not one that's going to be need mm-hmm. to be concerned about fluff.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Does hospice, Nadim, Nadim B says, does hospice volunteering count for clinical experience? Would that plus some clinical research be enough for clinical experiences? Ah, it's always time for at least once per ask the dean, is it clinical? How much clinical clinical is enough? Yeah. Who wants to handle is it clinical? Oh, you know what, Veronica, can you put that one back up just so we can make sure we cover the whole thing? Thanks. Um.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that hospice volunteering generally is clinical. Yeah. Uh, you're dealing with patients. Uh, remember that it doesn't, de- it, it doesn't depend on the setting. Uh, clinical could be in the hospital setting. It could be in a clinical setting. It could be a, a clinic. It could be in a, a, a hospice in somebody's home. Uh, it could be um, you know anywhere, uh, really. And so uh, so I would say definitely hospice volunteering is clinical and uh, and I, I think but I would say you, you the second part of your question is would that, plus some clinical research be enough clinical experience? I think maybe not. Um, I, I think that I would like to see you have some clinical experience in, a, in, in, in a healthcare setting as well, in a hospital, in a clinic. Uh, volunteering hospice is clinical, but it is outside of the environment that I think you need to experience. Uh, so I would say look for getting into a clinical setting to do some clinical experience. Also, I think you would benefit from that, and it would mm-hmm. uh, would would say to the admissions committee that you really do get what the environment is like, and uh, you know I I I think that's important.
2: Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. All right.
1: Got another comment or question. Edris, Idris. Uh, hi, I wish y'all have a lovely day. Thank you. So far, so good. Do current nursing students get an advantage when applying as a traditional applicant over
2: other? for any, what do you think? I'm i afraid not, I'm afraid not. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid not. Um, you oh. may have... Um, had a lot of clinical experience, right? Working with patients, but that doesn't necessarily um, set you aside or give you any additional advantage, right? They're looking at your application holistically. They're looking at obviously your academic preparation. They're looking at your other activities. Um, so, So just by virtue of being a nursing student or having had that experience, it does not give you any sort of additional advantage.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, but yeah, good on you on having all that clinical. That's great. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay, Elena, will medical schools look down on my application because I went to a community college for two years? Uh, My short answer is if they do, you don't want to go there.
2: Right. Because that makes
1: them snobs who don't get about affordable education. Yeah. Um, Yeah. A few may. The more serious answer. I mean, I meant I was serious before. <laughs> um, it used to be that community college had a fair amount of stigma and that's going down. More and more schools are accepting community colleges, um, especially for prereqs, because a lot of people will do just the two years and then move on to a four year new university. Um, it is better to do community college before four year and not the other way around. Um, uh, But again, you know, you can look on med school websites and see whether or not they accept it. If they say yes, take them at face value. Don't don't worry about don't second guess it. And if they say no, yeah, don't waste your money applying there. And also, if they don't want you because you needed affordable education, like, man, I mean, be glad, right? They're doing Mm -hmm. you a favor by telling you that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. I know we often think I just really want to get in, but you've got to find a place that lets you be
3: you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, totally agree with all that.
1: Well, thanks. (laughs) All right. Yuri. uh, hi. What do you recommend? An SMP or a postback? Now I know Dr. Scott Wright has talked a lot about postback versus grad versus SP. Uh, you want to spiel that, and maybe we can make a mental note to make a clip of this and share it because it's <laughs> such commonly <right>. <laughs> asked.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, Yuri, I think in in my opinion, uh, I think for especially for a low GPA, I think that a undergraduate postback program is is what I would be looking for. Um, I'm I'm looking for a um, an experience because I know how to interpret. Uh, a GPA in undergraduate class is much better than I understand in graduate work. Uh, now, s is a little bit different than that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that s are bad. I, I'm not at all saying that. So do not hear that. But uh, I, I like postback programs that are undergraduate, uh, that uh, put you through the same coursework that everybody else has, Uh, in the applicant pool or most people have in terms of prerequisites and, and, and undergraduate coursework. So I think I would go in that direction. Now, having said that uh, special master's programs are, uh, some of them are built specifically for GPA repair. And I definitely think it would be beneficial to look at those. I think there are also some uh, other, uh, other things that you want to consider in one of those being financial aid if you are maxed out on your undergraduate financial mm-hmm. aid then SP is really the only way to go and uh, mm-hmm. so you, you know there are other things outside of what the actual program is going to do for you that you need to consider uh, mm-hmm. in terms of what what you're going to be what's going to be workable for you both academically and other in other areas of your life mm-hmm.
1: Very nice. And I will just quickly remind anyone who's thinking about their GPA and the way it's going to be looked at by med schools, that you can use the coupon code 30 days free to try mapped at map.com. I'm sorry, I said that was a coupon code. It's a referral code. So when you're registering, put it in, you usually get 14 days free. So that'd give you 30. And we've got a free GPA calculator there. So there is a paid level um, while you're using the trial, you get access to Pro, but after the Pro trial lapse, if you aren't interested in, in paying for subscription, you're still going to have the free GPA calculator forever. So check mm. it out. Definitely. All right, what have we got? Spencer Downs. Would it matter if one of my most meaningfuls was a somewhat recent activity that I started in the last month? If it matters, it is a job as a surgical, te- surgical tech. Mm. Mm.
2: Verenia, what do you think? Good qu- so it's a good question. Um, again, we go back to what Dr. Wright was saying earlier. You decide what is most meaningful for you. Don't worry about trying to make it sound more meaningful because it's going to somehow make your application stand out. The goal here is, was it meaningful for you? Having said that, in a month compared to an activity that you've done for a longer period of time, you do have to wonder, have I gained enough insight from this experience to say that it is a most meaningful? Um, That could happen. That could happen in a matter of just days of being there and being a surgical Mm -hmm. tech and seeing things every day and and kind of having your, you know, your hands in there. Um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It could happen. Um, But you know, also there's also the possibility that, looking at it you could say well you've only done this for a month um but don't worry about that (laughs) at the end of the day what you need to focus on is um what is it meaningful and what why why was it meaningful for you Mm -hmm. good
1: Veronica's looking. There we go. Okay. Ms. Ashley, is it okay to use the same secondary responses for schools with similar questions within the same state, i.e. Texas? Now we can all answer this, but I feel like our native Texans should get
2: to.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Absolutely. It's it's, uh, totally uh, appropriate. Uh, there are, as you point out, uh, Ashley, uh, many very similar questions on secondary applications uh, across schools. Uh, I, the, uh, the probably a, a very good example of that is a COVID question. How has mm-hmm. COVID affected you in, in your activities, uh, et cetera? And uh, the, the medical schools are not going to see Uh, Your secondary responses from one to the other. And so no, no problem on, on just, uh, you know, but make sure you ask you make sure you answer the question appropriately. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you may have to tinker with it to tinker with your answer that you've transferred from another school to make it fit the the actual question. So just be very clear what the question is and what your answer is and make sure that it, it directly addresses the question. But yes, uh, that would be a very common thing to to you know uh, use very similar language if not exactly the same language from one school to another
1: yeah just yeah my general rule of thumb is you probably don't want to just copy and paste yeah but you might be borrowing a lot of sentences from yourself
3: yeah yeah <laughs> yep. and proofread right.
2: make sure you're yep. not addressing the school incorrectly Dear wrong school name <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: Ben Fung, if I have an interest in a specialty, but I have no experience in it, how do I explain that in secondaries of schools that focus on that specialty? Example, UH with primary care. Mm -hmm. Now, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Dr. Wright, as your former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, we should let you get to this one first.
3: Yeah, this is not an uncommon question on a secondary application, you know, what. What are you interested in? Um, and uh, and I think you, again, this sort of uh, same, you know, same song, third or fourth verse, but I think you have to be honest uh, with your, with what you're saying. So, for example, if you... Are you uh, applying to University of Houston, which I assume is UH, and, and I know that UH has a very uh, significant interest in, in uh, primary care, then, uh, then I, I think you have to just say, it. you know, I don't have, I have not shattered a family practice uh, doctor, uh, but I do have interest in, in family practice or in primary care for the following reasons. Uh, and so just be straightforward and honest with it. And, uh, they're going to understand that they understand that question. Not everybody has a, 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 you know, incredibly broad experience and a lot of different, uh, specialties. And so just be honest and, and say what you want to say with regard to that specialty. And, uh, and that's all you can do. Yep.
1: I agree. Got lots of agreement. Oh, look, we got the I don't know. I just clicked that by accident, But We're all tall and narrow. Um, (laughs) In my dreams, Rachel. (laughs) I I just need to add.
2: Tall and narrow. I think Manny, just for for you, that I'm at my goal
1: weight, but I'm not at my goal height.
3: And just for reference, we're all short for everybody that doesn't know. Yeah, I'm five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. I, yeah, I'm five six, and and I think you guys are shorter than I am. Yeah, so oh yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> five three. <laughs>
0: okay,
1: okay. Jacob Walton, my only volunteering is six hundred hours as a high school football coach. Is this a red flag to service-oriented med schools because it's not clinical? I have a paid clinical job with roughly 1,600 hours. Um, I have a little spiel on this. If you guys want, I can take it.
3: Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So
1: here's the first thing, Jacob. I mean, I'm glad you're asking this question. Some of this might be semantics. So I'm going to answer your question, but I'm first just going to clarify terminology. We've got volunteering. We've got clinical. And we've got non-clinical. And there's overlap, but... um, they aren't all the same. So often when schools say they want to see volunteering, what they really mean is I want to see community service Mm -hmm. and it usually isn't clinical and it's about, um, or it could be clinical, but it often isn't. And it's about working with underestimated, underserved populations Mm -hmm. within your community. Um, so, Habitat for Humanity soup kitchen. Um, maybe you know, right now there's a formula shortage. Maybe you're working down at the milk bank. Um, you know, reaching out to, to people who are really, you know, yeah. struggling in your yeah. communities. That's a community service thing. It's about it's about populations that aren't getting the same kind of equity as mm-hmm. people who are born in just by virtue of their zip code, right? Have different advantages. Then there is clinical experience, which is super important. I would say it's probably the most important activity for every pre-med. And it can be paid or volunteer. So if all your clinical is paid, that's no issue whatsoever. Um, It it shouldn't matter. Clinical can be paid or volunteer. And in the last two years because of COVID, often it's actually been easier to get paid clinical than volunteer clinical. Yep. Um, And then there's just whatever other work you do, right, that may or may Mm -hmm. not be clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is it a red flag that you're volunteering is a football coach job? Well, if you're applying to schools that say, I really want to see you work with um, underestimated disadvantaged communities, and you're volunteering at the local suburban high school where the houses are half a million, a million well, I guess some of that's going to depend on what part of the country, because unfortunately, like in L.A., half a million, it's actually not that nice of a house. Right. <laughs>
3: but right, right. You get <laughs> right. the drift, right? It's <laughs> Ohioan,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, but yeah, if you're at some 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 middle class, upper middle class high school helping, I mean, that's still great. You love it. It's meaningful to you. It's not a bad thing. But I wouldn't pretend it's community service. Like you could still call it volunteering if you weren't paid. But I I wouldn't try to I wouldn't try to call it like helping underprivileged populations. Um, so I hope that clarifies. That was a long answer, but this kind of thing comes up maybe not every week, but many weeks. So I think it merits that deep dive.
3: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: All right. Muhammad. Mohammed says, "I held my transcript for my spring grades. They will be released on June 9th. Should I wait until then to submit to AMCAS, or submit once the transcript comes in?" Doctor Wright, what do you think?
3: No, don't wait. Just you can submit, and then you can submit, and they get, uh, and then the transcripts will come in. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't delay. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. And in some schools, you can also go ahead and order your transcript and just say mark for release as soon as the spring scores come in. Mm-hmm. Right. So correct. Yep. Yep. Correct. Oh, I guess it sounds like maybe that's what Muhammad said he did. Now that yeah. I reread that first sentence. Okay. okay. Yeah. Easy peasy. Albert Andy for the verification purpose purposes. Mm-hmm. Can I choose one school and add schools later and get secondaries without any delay?
2: Uh, yep. I'm not sure what he means about the any delay part, but yeah, yeah, you can do that. Add, yep. uh, choose okay. one school that you would be of course, willing to attend if you got accepted um, to get yourself uh, in the queue to get verified uh, and then mm-hmm. add schools later. Yeah.
3: Yep. 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 Absolutely.
1: Um, so I guess, yeah, t- to Vernia's point, mm-hmm. if you add schools later, of course, you're only going to get those secondaries after you add them. Right. So it right. kind of depends on how late you right. add the schools.
3: Yeah, don't, um, don't add them too late. Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
1: And then this is not explicit in your question, Albert. So I'm, I'm making a leap here. But if you're doing this because you're really busy with something else, maybe, for example, retaking your MCAT or taking your MCAT for the first time, what I would advise you to do is... Act like you submitted all the schools and pre-write all the secondaries for all the schools you're going to do because people who are submitting next week, and I haven't said this yet this week, so you do not have to submit Tuesday, May 31st. Anytime in the first week is fine. Usually the first week AMCAS is riddled with bugs anyway. So if you Mm -hmm. try to submit on Tuesday, it may or may not even go well for you. So don't sweat that first few days golden. But the people who are submitting next week may well be verified before AMCAS even transmits
2: Mm -hmm. to med
1: schools. Mm -hmm. So they know they're not getting their secondaries until late June, early July. But if you start adding schools, say on July 7th, you might get a secondary almost immediately. And Mm -hmm. once you get it, the clock starts ticking and the goal is to get that turned around in seven to 14 days because med schools see that as a sign of interest. So, so lots of people play this game of one school now, others later. We are totally fine with it. I just want to make sure you understand that you still have an obligation to turn those secondaries around quickly. And mm-hmm. I think we've got a banner for it. I'll see if I can throw it up. Secondaryapps.com is where all of our secondaries live. Um, it's somewhere in here. Maybe Veronica <laughs> will find it before I do. Anyway, secondaryapps.com. Yep. Or if you are a MAP member, you can just go to mapped. And then the med school section, and they're also there. Um, and just start pre-writing those secondaries. Yep. Oh, McKenna, our friend McKenna. My TMD SAS apps won't be submitted until July with my new MCAT score. Should I expect a delay in possible interviews, interview invites? since they may review apps that were complete before mine. And again, we can all answer this, but let's let our Texan handle it since he <laughs> is the former executive director of TMDSAS. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, so what I would say McKenna on this is um, you can submit TMDSAS before your MCAT score is ready. Um I, I don't know that it's reasonable to necessarily delay uh, unless you're thinking that you might not submit depending on what your MCAT score is. Uh, in that case, then that changes the, the uh, dynamic of it a little bit. But I would say uh, you, can, you can submit whenever, and, uh, but if you wait until you have your MCAT score and submit, then yes, there is going to be a delay in uh, in that processing now the, the the lucky thing about TMDSAS is that. Processing does not take near as long as it does for AMCAS. Uh, I think what you're going to find is, you know, AMCAS is, you know, three, four, five weeks, sometimes longer. Uh, TMDSS is is typically about a week. And so that's that's a good thing. And so uh, that may delay interview invites a little bit. But they're going to now what's going to happen at the med school level is you're going to go into their queue at whatever point you came in they uh, they're not gonna, they're not, they're not gonna uh, uh, you know push you to the front just because you had your uh, application in early and you were waiting on that MCAT score. Uh, now that depends a little bit on whatever procedures they have at that medical school, and it may, they may have a procedure for that. But I would say in general, I think you have to consider that uh, it may delay it a little bit.
1: And then McKenna has a follow-up. Oh, can we put that follow-up for McKenna back? There we go. So just because it's part of the same question. If I submit with my initial MCAT score, will they review it without considering that I am retaking?
3: Most of the medical schools, if they see that you are retaking the MCAT, are going to wait to review you until they have the new MCAT score.
2: Yep. All right.
1: Veronica, if you've got one queued up for us, we will gladly take it now. Okay, so Rima says, if you have volunteer and shadowing experience with different specialty, but your PS talks about just one because of a smooth transition of essay, does that reflect your interest in one specialty? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um,
3: I, <laughs> I think you I, I think, think we're all thinking I, the same
1: thing. <laughs> I think you're
3: over, you're overthinking it, Rima. Bing,
1: bing, 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 bing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't overthink it. Yeah, don't worry about it, Rima. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to think that, you know, mm-hmm. you can't have Yeah, I guess a, one
1: thing I'm wondering is, are you talking a whole lot about just one specialty mm-hmm. in your essay? Because that. Mm-hmm. Mentioning it, like oh, I was special teen so and so at a dermatology office, because that's leading you to a story. That's great, but I mean, we tend to say, "Don't write your PS about what specialty you want to pursue," because that's not the question. Mm-hmm. The question isn't what kind of doctor do I want to be. The question is why medicine. Um, so I definitely agree with Scott and Verenia. Don't overthink it, but that I would say don't overthink. I mentioned one over another, but if your whole essay is about, I want to be an ophthalmologist and that's the only kind of doctor I want to be. Yeah. We're getting, yeah. getting yeah. big head <laughs> shakes. I don't um, want do like that. to that, do that. You that. might want to consider revising because it's just not on prompt. That's not the question.
3: Right. The question yeah. is
1: why medicine? Right. That's right. Brittany. Okay. Brittany says I currently attend one institution and I'm taking online courses through through to different institutions. These online courses are my retakes. Will this be a red flag to medical schools?
2: Verenia, what do you think? Mm-hmm. This is a great question. On on no, on its surface, no, it is not a red flag whatsoever. Um, there are some schools that sort of still have this idea that online courses aren't, you know, I guess on par with in-person courses, um, I think fewer and fewer of those, especially now after um, two years of having, you know, or at least through COVID having, being able to prove that you can take these courses and do well in them, even if they are online. So, um, so no, I don't, I don't see this as a red flag. Um, Brittany.
3: So yeah. the the only thing I would add to that is you need to make sure at your institution in terms of a, if you're in a degree program, some institutions, if you take a retake, it won't count unless you do it at that institution. So that's an mm-hmm. institutional policy. So mm-hmm. in terms of what the medical schools are going to be looking at, uh, I don't now the, the only caveat I would say to that is if you took a course at a university, and now you're taking it online at a community college, that would be mm-hmm. a red flag.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: That's a good point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of leftover stigma, right? The mm-hmm. There's a concern that it might've been easier and they don't want to think, well, she got, you know, the C minus at this rigorous school and the B plus a less rigorous school and mm-hmm. whether or not, community colleges and online courses are less rigorous isn't really the point because Mm -hmm. it's about perception and sometimes those perceptions are old fashioned, but they're out there. Right. Um, Right. That's right. But um, all right, we'll move on. Let's see. Shayla says would a car score below 125 be a red flag, even if the other three sections are above 125? No, no. It's another common one. Um, Most med schools are not super concerned about individual scores as much of the, as much as the composite. I'm not Dr. Scott, right? <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> one of us misclicked something. There we go. Thank you for that. One. <laughs> it might have been me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a common concern with MCAT. Sometimes it's cars. Sometimes it's one of the sciences. If it's real egregious, so. You got a 122 in one section and everything else is 127, 128. I would just say, take a breath, move on. If it's 118, which is the bottom of the scale. And that's, let's say you said in your cars and you also had to take English classes a couple times just to get the C that you needed for your prereq completion. Then that makes me start to worry like, Oh, does this person actually have some kind of reading, writing, English deficiency? Um, So so in a, in a vacuum just the score I wouldn't worry about it. It's only if it's really really low and also if there's some kind of alignment with also bad grades in the corresponding subject at school.
3: Yeah. I agree.
1: Spencer again, how many schools would you recommend a person apply to between MD and DO?
0: Good
3: question. As many as it takes to get in. <laughs> no, I'm that's kidding. That's my <laughs> totally... friends. No, I would say uh, my my experience is I, I think that a lot of students are in the somewhere around thirty schools uh, mm-hmm. if they're looking at DO and MD together. Uh, I would say twenty five to thirty schools is, is pretty norm is pretty typical. Um, yeah. Now. Now, w- what I worry about is if you get a, if you get too many more than about thirty or maybe even you know up to thirty five or forty schools, if you get if that many, the logistics of just the secondary apps alone becomes challenging, and I so understand. that that's where the, the 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 pinch comes in for for that. So, yeah, just be be aware that you know the more schools you add, the more secondary apps there's going to be set aside the cost, the financial cost, it, the, yeah. the, the logistics of the work uh, can be a full-time job in and or, in and of oh. itself. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I want to put like a million different tickers up, right? So there's AppExpenses.com. that'll calculate the cost of your application. Secondaries are really expensive. And what happens when people overdo it is a lot of times they sort of don't actually refine their school list until the secondary. So on primary, they get a little trigger happy. They just, oh, it's not a good term. They get yeah. a little overeager and they pick too many, right? And then um, and then they get their secondaries and they realize I can't possibly turn these all around quickly. Or now that I'm looking at this more carefully, I'm noticing that actually some of these questions make me realize I don't really have anything to say and maybe I shouldn't apply to this school. Mm. Um, and just that that stuff is like just a waste of your time and money. You already spent yeah. the money on the primary app. Um, yeah. So whether or not you work with us, I definitely strongly recommend that you check out um, the secondaryapps.com, which we found a minute ago. Where is it? I don't know. Anyway, secondaryapps.com. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, look at those because I yeah. think you should using that as part of finalizing your school Mm -hmm. list. Um, You know, if it talks a lot about where UC Riverside and we believe strongly in serving the Inland Empire and you think, no way am I gonna spend my life in SoCal, I only wanted to go to college or med school there for four years, why are you applying? Mm -hmm. They're Mm -hmm. looking for physicians who wanna practice there. Um, That's an obvious one, they're not always that obvious, but there's still clues. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just as a reminder, it is peak season, but we um, are still accepting people who need help for primary application. And a lot of our students who've been working with us since January and February are already moving on to their secondaries, right? They, their primary is good to go. They're going to submit it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday after they've done a couple final proofreads. And they're already pre-writing their secondaries, So it's not too late to get in that queue. And if you wait five weeks, we'll still help you. But the queue will be a lot longer. Mm. <laughs> yep. so, yep, yep. Kaylee Ted. Kaylee says, hi, I'm, an ex- I'm having an extremely hard time finding physician assistants. Oh, mm. good, a PA question. Physician uh-huh. assistant Shadow. Should I go to different clinics in person to ask instead of calling and emailing them? Do you have any advice? Yeah, I do think going in person is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, That's (laughs) uh, so you can do that. You could just spend a day, you know, um, you know, make yourself look a little polished and Mm -hmm. um, just go be your eloquent, bright, you know, shiny face self. (laughs)
2: Um, uh,
1: And yeah, also don't be discouraged because there's going to be a lot of no's that's the rules of cold calling is you get a lot of no's before you get a yes and then in the interim hopefully you know about e-shadowing so we do pre-med every Monday at 8 p.m eastern and that's actually looking to change we might be in June pushing that to um, just a time slide honestly that works better for our physician guests Um, but we also do pre-pa e-shadowing and again currently Monday at 7 p.m and I'm not sure if that's changing or not but if you go to e-shadowing.com all the updates will always be there
2: And check out, you know, I don't know where you've been looking. Um, Urgent care places tend to be staffed with PAs often too. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you haven't looked into that, that'd Mm -hmm. be a great place to check.
1: Yep. A spot.
2: Love that idea. I agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay.
1: Darlie Scott, I started college in 2019 and therefore have been unlucky to find clinical experience in my area due to the pandemic. Do you think medical schools will accept, I think you mean accept, but yeah, uh, virtual shadowing? Well, Darlie, you may not know it, but you're actually asking two questions. Um, I spieled about this a little earlier. um, So maybe someone else can take a crack at it because sometimes just hearing this from a different voice will clarify it.
2: Uh, Virginia, you want to chime in? Sure. Sorry, there was a loud airplane flying over. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so the concern, I guess, that Rachel's implying here is, um, yes, yeah, so you started right as the pandemic shut things down, but hopefully you were able to get in, involved in, you know, other activities um, uh, and haven't waited just until now to start looking. Um, they will accept virtual shadowing, but it's not, um, ideal, right? You want to have more, more than just virtual shadowing. So maybe potentially thinking this is not the right time for me to apply yet. Let me just spend some more time as things are slowly opening back up again, trying to get, uh, gain more clinical experiences. Don't, you know, don't rush into this. Definitely don't apply with just virtual shadowing as your experiences, um, Take some time to to still try to get out there, knock on doors, go in person um, to get opportunities to um, get more patient care experience. Right. Uh, I was going to throw a quick banner. So, yeah, just
1: to clarify, Mm -hmm. clinical experience and shadowing are not the same thing. Now on a Comas at TMD SAS they actually just lump it all under healthcare. But since most of you are applying to AMCAS even if you're also applying to other op, other cat other applications I want to make sure you know clinical experience is one thing and clinical observation is another. So clinical experiences I personally interacted with the patients in a way directly related to their healthcare. Clinical observation is shadowing. I didn't interact with them much, you know maybe I said hello, maybe I held their hand. But mostly I was watching the doctor and I say here watching them do direct care, but also the benefit of shadowing a doctor is you see the stuff away from the bedside, away from, um, you know, the table, the patient room. You can see them, you know, haggling with insurance companies and having to do all the notes and, you know, like it's the job isn't all patients. And that's one of the reasons that even if you have clinical experience, we recommend you still get clinical observation because then you can see the rest of the position, rest of the job.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Yep. All
1: right. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> it took me a minute, but I see Scrooge McDuck. Um planning ahead for the MCAT. Are the prereq courses the only ones you need to have the content understanding? Do you need all of them or also some electives like physiology? Uh-huh. Oh, I see. You're asking, I think, are medical school prereq courses the same as MCAT prerequisite or recommended courses? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's interesting because sometimes there is, there's a ton of overlap, but sometimes it is a little bit like a Venn diagram, right? Where there's some stuff that med schools want. Like, for example, um, calculus, some med schools still want, but you don't use calculus on the MCAT. Now, statistics, most med schools want, and that is going to help you a lot on the MCAT. Yep. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the basic prereqs for med school are a year of biology, one year of general chemistry, or sometimes called inorganic, but usually it's just called chemistry. Uh, One year of organic chemistry, which you might call OCHEM or ORGO, depending on the part of the country you're in. Um, At least a semester of biochem. That um, is newer, like in the last six or seven years, has become really important for the MCAT. Um, A year of physics. Um, Those are prereq courses for the med school. Now, you'll find that that second semester of organic chem and that second semester of of physics don't come up on the MCAT a ton, although it does some. Um, And then also there's the other stuff, right? There's psych and sociology. A lot of people say, if I take upper level bio, like physiology or, you know, those things help you, and they certainly help you in med school, right? The more upper level bio you have, the probably the more ready you're going to feel from med school. But besides the bio biochem on the MCAT, the MCAT actually tends to trick people who know more than it's asking. Um, the MCAT is very shallow. So you don't need to have a full complement of bio major knowledge to do well on the MCAT because some of those extra courses are just going to fill your brain with stuff that the MCAT's ignoring anyway. Yeah. Ooh, mm. Shayla asks what makes a strong letter of recommendation Dr. Wright so former so director of admissions of UT Southwestern the Harvard of Texas <laughs> Taylor's
3: like boo <laughs> Taylor's real
1: mad at me right now <laughs> uh, what do you think
3: Uh, Well, of course, I agree with you, but anyway, that's irrelevant. Uh, What makes a strong letter of recommendation? I think the strongest letters of recommendation come from people who know you the best, who know you really well. Uh, If a letter, so for example, if you get a letter from a professor and they say, you know, Susie was in my class and uh, she asked good questions, and uh, came by my office a couple of times. She made an A in the class. I think she's inquisitive, whatever. Um, As opposed to a letter that says, I have a lot of experience with Susie. Uh, We have interacted quite a few times. Uh, She's a delightful young woman with a great mind and, you know, goes into a sort of effusive detail, uh, and it's very clear that that person knows you well then that's a great letter of recommendation the ones that are not as great as it you know she was in my class there was 250 students in my class she made an a she seemed to ask good questions that doesn't really give a whole lot of information so the more detailed they can be about you and who you are and what you're all about the better the letter's going to be
1: great agreed one fifty-five Eastern time. We probably have time for one more.
3: Yep. Sure.
1: Oh, KTSJ is 30 years old, too old to be a doctor. Absolutely not. You pursue that yep. dream.
3: Yep. You Absolutely. do you, <laughs> as Dr. Wright said. You know, I would say, and, and I just make this comment to you, t- two two examples. I currently have a student that I'm working with that will be applying this year who is 50, Mm -hmm. Uh, in his early 50s. And then I recall uh, one year when I was at UT Southwestern, we had an applicant who was 50 the year she started med school. She was the president of her class all four years. She did extremely well in the curriculum, graduated, went to residency, is now out practicing medicine. And uh, she was 50 years old when she started. So Thirty years old is not too old. KTSJ, you go for it.
1: (laughs) You do you. No. Yeah, um, so we also do application academy, which is group advising, and it, it's closed for this cycle. But we'll, you know, be opening it up again in the late summer, early fall for people who are applying next May. Because, of course, if you're applying next May, ideally you start in January. So plan ahead, those of you who want to start med school in 2024. Um, but so in, the, in that group advising, the first week we were just doing a lot of open Q&A. And so many introductions from students started with well, I'm the only one here who's, and then they would say a parent, married, 26, 36, 46. I don't know why I'm picking all sixes, right? And so finally, (laughs) in our little private Facebook group, just for the academy students, we started a thread that was like, I'm non-traditional. And there were so many people in their 30s and 40s that some of the late 20 non-traditionals were like, am I cool here? Like, do you guys, <laughs> do I play with the other adults?
0: <laughs> and you're all adults, you
1: know? but, you know, and of course everybody was really kind and like, yeah, you know, the more non-traditionals, the merrier. But, you know, we had 26 somethings, 20 somethings worried they were too old. And then there were people 20 years older going, I'm not worried. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah just, yeah. it's never too late. If you feel up for it, then yeah. do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There you go.
1: All right, I think that's gonna bring us to a close. Uh, thank you for the reminder. I see the little banner ticker. So we do this every week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, the best place to watch is mapped, dtv It's the Mapped YouTube channel. Um, And next week, Dr. Gray will be back. We've missed him a lot, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, Absolutely. And for those of you that also watch Friday Instagram Lives with Dr. Gray, again, he'll still be on vacation, so there won't be one of those this Friday. But we'll be back to normal next week. So keep keep visiting. Keep asking those questions. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And keep up the good work, everybody. You're doing great. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.
0: This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.